Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. A word of warning. This podcast explores graphic and disturbing stories and includes some strong language. It therefore may not be suitable for our young listeners or other folks who may find it disturbing. Hello and welcome to True Crime Daily, the podcast covering high-profile and under-the-radar cases from across the country every week. I'm your host, Anna Garcia. Our case this week is so enormous and so significant that we are dedicating an entire episode to it. It is about one of the most prolific serial killers, baby serial killers in England. A former neonatal nurse has been convicted of murdering seven tiny babies in the hospital that she worked and then attempting to kill another six. While the trial was long, 10 months, the sentencing part was actually swift. This week, former nurse Lucy Letby has been sentenced to 14 life sentences. We're recording this on Tuesday, August 22nd of 2023. Our guest today is Paul Malaria, former murder squad detective with the Essex Police Department in England. His law enforcement career spans 30 years. You can also see Paul in the new true crime series, The Interrogation Room, hosted by Vivica A. Fox, which is streaming now. Now, Paul is new to our program, so please, everyone, welcome him. Welcome, Paul. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. I hope that the time difference and delay isn't significant in this broadcast, but as I say, thank you so much for having me. We're so happy to have you here. I've heard you say that policing is in your blood. Can you share with people the, the family you come from? Yeah, so uh, my name is Paul Maleri. I'm a police officer at heart. My father was a police officer. My brother was a police officer. My cousins are police officers. My uncles were police officers. And to be honest with you, we have the most boring Christmas dinners in the world. <laughs> Do you do those Christmas crackers that I love that you pop those? Oh, yeah, of course we do. We, we, I love that. Yeah, we have we have Christmas crackers and we have the turkey and we have all the trimmings. We have Our Christmas Day is the same as your Thanksgiving, basically. 
Mm -hmm. Oh, how lovely. Well, Paul, you know, uh, I'm really grateful that you're here today because this case that we've been following out of England, finally, after these 10 months, it's been an extraordinary case. We not only have a conviction, but we have a sentencing. We like to talk about justice on this podcast and what justice could look like. And in this case, the tragedy of it all, 14 life sentences, 100 life sentences. These babies are gone. And the trauma that these that these families have suffered, there's no justice for them. There is no real justice for them. At At the end of the day, this is one of the most heartbreaking cases that I have seen unfold within the media. The fact is that this cruel hearted individual, 33 years old, what on earth possesses anybody to take a life, but to take a baby's life, that's completely unforgivable. And the families will never get the answers that they deserve. Yeah, and it's it's a different kind of loss, Paul. You know, very all of these losses of a child are horrific. But when you have a baby, there's this level of excitement and you just got to know that baby. You just got to smell that baby. Yeah. And and it's like the loss of all possibilities in the future. It is it is a trauma that lasts forever because Every milestone that you think that baby would have shared, that you would yeah. have shared with that baby, will never be. Absolutely, twenty-first birthdays, the, all the all the significant things that they would have undergone had they survived. It's it is a surreal, and I I don't know. I've you know I, I've never been through that as a parent, but it is must be a surreal experience to be told that your baby has died by somebody else's hands. Mm-hmm. It's sad enough when a child is stillborn or, or you know or dies during um, during birth, but to have somebody kill your child, you just just can't imagine it. But there's uh, there's a bigger picture here because the responsibility of all of this sits with the hospitals, yes. and babies are born every single day, every second of the day there is a child being born. And we entrust these children into the hands of these people that are supposed to be so safe. And I and it's when it's the same when a police officer is involved in a crime, there's absolute outcry and rightfully so. But for this is just unforgivable. It makes it worse. If it could possibly be, it, it's just another insult on, on top of the horrific yeah. tragedy. So this has really been called one of the worst cases in modern British history, and I don't think there's any disputing it. And we don't have anything quite to the level of this here, although we have had serial killer nurses, um, but not babies. Not well, babies. We, we have as well, you see. If you go back 30 years, or 1991, we had a female here called Beverly Allett, and she murdered, I think, four children. She faced 13 charges. She was convicted. And she's still serving pr- prison time. Obviously, we had Harold Shipman. He, he killed up to 250 people. But these are all people that were entrusted with our well-being. We yeah. went to these doctors and nurses expecting to walk away with some form of remedy for our ills. But the fact is that these people have, have killed and more significantly, Lucy Letby and Beverly Allen have killed children. And these were healthy babies. They, some of them may have been a little premature, but they were healthy. It's not as if, and again, I'm not, um, we've heard where some of these serial killers 
um, say that they do it because their patients were ill or dying and they wanted to stop the suffering as if they were some kind of angel killer. Who are they to make these decisions? But in this case, we're talking about healthy babies. There is no, no hiding behind the shroud of, oh, I was just trying to save the baby from more torture. That was not the case here. Well, that wasn't the case. And when you read through the facts that she had targeted twins, oh. targeted I mean, one of the children survived, fortunately, but she targeted twins. I mean, what possesses a, a human being to do that? I just don't, I don't get it. Oh, it's so despicable. It really is. So let's get into some of the details of the case here. Sure. So this is out of Manchester, England, where a 33-year-old hospital nurse, former nurse, Lucy Letby, has truly been described by prosecutors as a serial killer of babies. The prosecutor said she weaponized her craft. And I think that is absolutely true. Yeah. We first covered this horrific case here in October of 2022. It's one of the longest trials that I've seen. It lasted 10 months. I remember checking every week as we prepare for the podcast thinking, has there been a decision yet? Has there been a decision yet? And I just was, I kept thinking, did something happen? I mean, but no, it, it's just the, the course of, of this trial took that long to present the evidence. The jury had to deliberate for an awful long time as well. So they were, they came back uh, last week with verdicts around the initial, initial charges. But I, th I think it was something like 25 days they were deliberating on the on the case that's that's how can somebody concentrate for that long on one trial isn't that amazing i mean if you were to break that down that's like basically saying that you deliberated for almost a month yeah if you look I, at it that way over a month a, a, a four working or five working weeks because we work 20 yes. days a month right that is one of the longest deliberations i've ever heard of it is it's incredible and and they need to be commended, actually, if I'm perfectly honest with you, because the, the amount of concentration it takes. I know, having been the officer in the case for, for murder trials, how tired you become within the courtroom. The fact yes. is that you're sitting there, you're mentally drained, you're physically drained. For a juror to try and maintain that level of concentration, they need to be commended. We will never know who those people were, but it, well done to them. Yes, absolutely. They really... They, they did their best to serve justice to these families. Yeah, they absolutely. Worked very hard. And they, you know, it wasn't a full conviction on everything either. I mean, they truly worked through every single charge and every victim. It was it was very challenging. So Lucy has been convicted of murdering seven babies, five baby boys, two baby girls, and attempting to kill another six in 2015 and 2016. She was found guilty of 14 of the 22 counts that she faced. And now we understand that prosecutors are trying to figure out if they're going to go after her on the charges that they were not successful with. So there could be yet another component to this, Paul? Yeah, there, there could be. A, a review will take place and a decision will be made whether or not this is in the public interest. Okay, because she has been convicted of a, a number of offences. She's got whole life sentences for 14 crimes. And the seven other victims, I think we all know heart on, hand on heart what actually happened to them. But it means that the families will have to go through a retrial. It's traumatic enough. Yes, they will want justice. But the fact is, justice 
will never be served correctly, but it may have been served by these convictions already. Yeah, this is one diabolical, evil woman. No matter how innocent her face may look and all the tears that she shed on the stand. I understand that when the first convictions came in, they were for the attempted murders and she sat and wept. Portraying this innocent, innocent person. And then by the end of the end of the case, she didn't even have the decency to come out of her cell to face those people that she affected so so gravely. This is oh. the most serious crime of all time. And she didn't have the decency to come out and acknowledge what she'd done with the families of those children. Right. For those of you who are like, wait, what happened? So she was convicted. She heard the jury's verdict. Correct. Then when it was time for sentencing, when the families and the victims get a chance to do victim impact statements and so on, and to hear what your sentence will be, she didn't come out of her cell. She had the option not to sit in the courtroom and face these families. And it was just another insult to the victims. It's despicable. It is absolutely despicable. You cannot believe what is going on in that person's head. But that said, they deemed her to be bad and not mad. By that, I mean oh, that a psychiatric assessment would have taken place and they would have said that she didn't have psychiatric problems. She is a hard-nosed criminal. Why not go into the courtroom? She didn't want to face them. She didn't want to hear anymore. I just can't believe that she had that option not to go back to court. That's like, no, thanks. You all go on without me. Pure cowardice. But I, I find it really hard to believe that people, family members, and I, do you know what? We, we love our kids with all our heart, but she will still have that support of her family. She doesn't deserve anything. If, if she was in the United States, what would the sentence be there? She wouldn't see light of day. No, she wouldn't. And depending on the state, she yep. might get the death penalty. Yep, absolutely. And yep. if this, this has been proved beyond reasonable doubt that she is responsible for these deaths, then there is a good reason to bring back the death penalty in this country. Oh, she she is this one, man. It is. It's hard to find any defense here in any way, because what what we saw in the trial was, for example, police said that the nurse had these posted notes up in her house, you know, when they searched her house and they said that they found notes that she had written to herself that said, quote, I am evil and yeah. quote, I killed them on purpose. Like what? What? I, I mean, and then this obsession with some of the families where she followed them on social media and then she sent sympathy cards to them. But I wonder so if that was all a ruse to try and make a look as if she had mental health issues to try and formulate some form of defense if she should get caught. But Paul, don't you believe that when it comes to serial killers, which is a whole different criminal, that there truly is a mental defect here because there is really no explanation for, for this level of crime that they commit. But is their obsession any different to anybody else that's got a form of addiction? Not everybody who's got an addiction is uh, has got mental health issues. They could be doing the slots in Vegas. They, they, they continue to chase and chase and chase. And 
I used I've used this before. The police only catch the stupid criminals, the ones that go beyond what is reasonable. When I say reasonable, what, when they go beyond um, detection, you know. Yeah, and and if if they commit one crime, the chances are they'll never get caught unless they're really dumb and they've left fingerprints and DNA everywhere. They click. They commit two, and all of a sudden they're starting to increase the odds of getting caught. But when they continue to do the same thing, people start to notice, which was happening in this case. Ah. A, co- a consultant identified this person as being responsible or being around at the same times of all these child deaths. And she was they the were shouting one. down, the only one. She was the only one who consistently was on shift yep. where every child died or yep. was injured. Yep. No one else fit that criteria. Absolutely. And the consultant that raised that had to apologize because I'm led to believe her father supported her in a complaint of effectively bullying. And this consultant had said that there was grave concerns over her behavior and the hospital, instead of standing behind the consultant, they went down the the least line of resistance and they were quite happy to get the consultant to apologize to her as an individual. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I was so shocked that because now so much is coming out about the investigation because everything had to be held so tight for the trial that when confronted with the possibility that it was Lucy, that one of the hospital administrators said, no, not nice, Lucy, quote, not nice, Lucy. (laughs) Who knew? But but this is is the problem. She's she's got a face that. She's normal. She looks, you know, she doesn't. She doesn't look like a killer. Well, but what does a killer look like? Exactly. I've interviewed 36 people for murder and they all look different. So it's a it's a fascinating science dealing with murderers. What should she look like? She's not going to have horns coming out the top of her head and she's not going to carry a bloodstained knife everywhere. She's killing babies with hypodermic needles, which are readily accessible. But nobody thought that she could do such a cruel act because she was nice Lucy. She was a nurse. She was an angel. 
but she was a, an angel of death. A total angel of death. In fact, when they moved her from the nursing floor and they put her like in an office position, they put her in an office that was in charge of like oversight and safety where she had access to all the records and investigations for the babies that she had killed. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. And there are cases in this country of malfeasance in a public office. And it's around neglect. It's around doing something different that means that somebody else can carry on and and commit a crime, which is what's happened in this case. The, The senior managers in this hospital have neglected in their duty when they were told that she was suspected of being involved in some wrongdoing against these children. They did something different. They didn't do what they should have done, and they need to be held accountable. She should have been suspended, even if she was, you know, relieved from duty and they still paid her while while investigating yep. in the event that they were wrong, right? But she should have been kept away from babies for sure. And if you're going to put her in an office position, not in that office, okay? Can you put her somewhere else in Absolutely. charge of supplies? The problem is that we've become a nation of apologists, a society of apologists. We we don't want to see ill in anybody because it might offend them. Sometimes we have to grab the nettle and say that, you, that they're wrong, whatever it may be, and deal with that individual, deal with that case, and make that person stand to account for what they've done. Instead of keep pussyfooting and being nice to everybody, sometimes we have to do the right thing. Agreed. For this nation as well. For this nation as well. The BBC reported that she tried to kill one baby three times, a little girl. Can you imagine the first time she fails, so she tries it again and then again? Unbelievable. That is is unbelievable. Oh, it's sickening. It's sickening. It is just sickening. So she is accused of killing, as we've said, healthy babies, not little babies who were very, very ill. And she had been a nurse in the neonatal unit at the Countess of Chester Hospital. In one case, the mother of a baby walked in on the nurse while the nurse was killing the baby, but the mother didn't know that. The mother came in with um, some breast milk for her twins and... She saw the nurse tending to the baby, but the baby had blood on it, on its mouth. And so, you know, the nurse over here turns to the mother and says, trust me, I'm a nurse. Yeah. So if you're a mom and you're scared and you're in a hospital and you see a nurse tending to your baby, you think that that nurse is going to save your baby and not kill your baby. And why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you think that they're in the safest pair of hands? Who knew that those hands were covered in blood? Oh, my God. For me, I think, you know, all the victims here have suffered tremendously. But for that mother to have walked in at that moment, I, if it were me, I would still be beating myself up for not having lunged at this woman and grabbed my baby. But how could I know? I couldn't know. I couldn't know. But I think that's what I would do to myself. And, and you couldn't know, but... but- if you look at the, the the broad brush of everything that's taken place here, the amount of staffing hours that of to investigate this, the heartache for the families, the the size of the jigsaw involved in this is so vast, I can guarantee that not all the pieces are in place yet. There will be other victims 
there will be other incidents that involve this critter. I can't, I can't, you know, I, I could say something that's probably more profane, but but the fact is that th- this job is not complete and, and the authorities need to get it complete. I know they're going to review something like 4,000 children that she had looked after in her time. 4,000. Can you imagine the, the staffing levels that are going? The family liaison officers. Now, I don't know if you have, do you have family liaison officers in the States? You know, not in the way that you all do it. I mean, based on my limited knowledge, um, we do have people that work with the families, but it's generally the detective on the case. We don't have like a separate person. Um, Does that make any sense? We we have advocates. I I, I was a dedicated family liaison officer during my time. And one week I'll be doing the case papers on one job and then I'll be a family liaison officer on another job and I'll be doing the statements on another and so on and so forth. But as a family liaison officer, they would have been the people that went to the families and said, we're investigating these deaths. They would have been the ones that broke the news to the parents of these deceased children. That's quite stressful in itself. And they've lived that with the family. You get very, very entrenched with the family to a point where you need counselling at the end of it. And I'm absolutely serious. I don't doubt it. It's quite a it's quite a stressful role that they've undertaken. So again, the, the authorities need to be commended to get all this evidence to to prove such a complicated case. They need to be commended for their hard work. It's so heartbreaking, so heartbreaking. It now, is. The entire time, Lucy Letby insisted that she was innocent, and she had entered a not guilty plea. Uh, again, by all accounts. People were so surprised because she was such a likable person. So people didn't want to believe the news, including her family and her co-workers. Yep. So the troubling part here is that she was not pulled off the job until 2016. And the Observer has reported that this delay in going after Nurse Lucy cost at least two babies their lives. But we may not know that full number because the way... She murdered, she made it look like it was a natural event that the baby was struggling and and therefore many of the babies when they died, the the cause of death, you know, was something else. But she did things like put air bubbles um yep. in their tubes. She she would put insulin into the feed bags. Yep. And so the trauma that the baby was suffering would manifest as another medical condition. And therefore, there is an assumption that in a hospital, there will be some loss of life. Yep. But the numbers were off the charts with her. They were beyond, um, it, it wasn't even beyond an abnormal tick. It was enormous. The number of babies that die a year would be maybe a few, whereas in a short period of time, you would have a lot of babies who had died. It's astounding that nobody got to grips with this. As you say, there'll there'll be a a certain percentage that is expected. Not acceptable, but expected. And I found that number, Paul. I I was struggling for it. So what happened in 2015, three babies died in 14 days. That's how many babies die in a year at this hospital. And so the numbers were extraordinary. And you're right. 
everyone at the hospital was saying, well, wait a minute, is something going on? But because the cause of death seemed to be plausible, no one ever wants to think that there is a killer among them. That is just not where your brain goes. No, exactly. Again, it's like a thief. If a thief continues a course of action because of their greed, they'll eventually get caught. And sometimes I wonder if these people actually want to get caught to build their notoriety, to become that. Because we're going to be talking about this individual forever for 100 years. Mm-hmm. We'll be talking about this case. Somebody will be sitting, not in this chair, but in a chair, in 100 years discussing this individual. And I wonder if some of these people do it for the notoriety to make sure that that's the way that their name is cast into history. Oh, that is just another level of sickness. And but it's a narcissistic approach, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I'm curious about this, Paul. I don't know whether you can shed any light on it, and I don't completely understand it, but apparently, according to all the reporting, she was arrested on three separate occasions in relation to these deaths, but wasn't officially charged until November of 2020. Okay. There's a gap there, right? What do you think was going on? So there would have been a huge amount of work going on in the background. Now, I don't know personally what the investigation looked like. I know what the structure would have been and how there would have been a hierarchy and, you know, how the worker ants had come in at the bottom and and all together they'd have built the team together and gelled. But what they would have done is they'd have arrested her, got the evidence that they had at that time, let her go, get more evidence and so on and so forth until they're at a point. I don't know whether they kept her on bail. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um but the legislation changed in the UK, which means that you can only keep someone on bail for so many weeks. I think it's the same in New York. And that would have had an impact on the investigation. So they just let her, let her go off pending investigation, arrest her again, pull her in, interview her again, and start her clock. We have a custody clock here. I'm sure you have exactly the same there. We can keep someone for a, a maximum period of time. And then we have to take them to a, a magistrate where they get an extension. So to negate some of those um, those areas, mm-hmm. they would have uh, they'd have kicked her out on bail or what have you. Yeah, My concern mm-hmm. is that what did that investigation look like? They'd have, it would have been all hands on deck. Everybody would have been doing that. But... I don't know whether they had sufficient evidence for one charge or whether they needed to make sure that they got evidence of propensity to show that it was a common course of conduct, that this person was doing the same thing to to build the charges together. One case on its own probably wouldn't have been sufficient for a prosecutor to run. Uh, Two would have been, but three, they'd have said, you know, there's some common ground here and we can start working from that. And we use that quite often in, in the more serious cases. That is very interesting. When, um, you know, she was identified as the only person who was always on shift at the time of all these deaths, This at this point, Lucy had already been working at that hospital for five years. Remember, she is a very young woman. Yeah. Five years already. So, and you know, to be a nurse in a neonatal unit takes a little bit different training, obviously. And here's the other thing, which, you know, adds to, I think, 
the prosecution part of it is these environments, the neonatal units and maternity wards in particular, are very, um, they're protected in the sense that you've got to have key cards to get in and out. Yeah. You can't just walk in because we've had so many cases of people stealing babies. Yeah. Um, that these are, these are monitored, highly monitored areas. So to be able to pull this off in an area like that is really stunning. Yes, but that also goes against her because if you can prove that the only person that was present at that time was her and those children died while she was on duty and that nobody else had access mm. to that area and there was nobody else on the CCTV, the jury would have to find her guilty because she could only be the only person that has committed this crime. If it was a, an area where they had a, a multiple access and there was lots of people going through and you had lots of people around a bed, et cetera, et cetera. That would have been more difficult, and it was hard enough as it was, more difficult to prove that she was the one. So it work, actually worked in the authorities' favour. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, I agree with you. During the proceedings, prosecutors and police were very careful as to not re not to reveal the real names of the babies yeah. and their families. So... Um, we will refer to the babies and the victims as they were in court, and they use letters, yeah. baby A, baby B. I, I want to be clear about that because I don't want anyone watching or listening thinking that in any way we are being disrespectful to these little victims by referring to them that way. They were This was done to protect the privacy of the families, Absolutely correct, right. Absolutely right. And you can imagine, and look, we're in the media you, what we, what you and what I do, we, we do stuff that's in the media. But we've got scruples. There are some people that don't have scruples, and they will be banging on the doors of these poor individuals who have lost a child, and it was only right that the, the uh, prosecutors decided that these children would be identified in such a, um anonymous way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... For the purposes of the case, we don't know when she started her killing sprees, but for the purposes of the case that has been proved in a court, police say that the first victim, Baby A, was a boy who was born with a twin sister. She would be Baby B. Yep. The two were born on June 8th of 2015, and they were reportedly in good health, breathing on their own, despite being born a little premature. However... By 8.26 p.m. of that same day that they were born, baby A was deteriorating rapidly. And less than an hour after being in Nurse Lucy's care. A half hour later by 9 p.m., this is a rapid deterioration of this baby, baby A is dead. Yep. Dead. Doctors later concluded that the health was likely due to um, uh, the death was likely due to an injection of an air bubble into the baby's umbilical cord through a catheter. Yeah, it's just it's just horrific. It is then, absolutely horrific. If that's not remember, baby A and B have the same parents here. Yes. Okay, so they have just lost a baby, but there's more tr trauma and and tragedy coming. A day later. His twin sister, Baby B, suffers from like this sudden drop of oxygen levels. Nurse Lucy administered a bag of liquid nutrition to Baby B, even though she was not the baby's des designated and registered nurse 
She was not the attending nurse. What right. is she doing interfering with someone nurse's, another nurse's baby? Okay. So she's not even supposed to be touching this baby. Then baby B stops breathing. The alarm sounds. That means all the doctors are running to the unit because the baby's in distress. Doctors were able to revive the baby and she ultimately survived the attack. They believe that an air bubble was administered into her bloodstream. Horrific. Um, well, it is absolutely horrific. As a parent, oh, you just can't imagine that taking place. No. And then, according to the prosecution, the next victim was taken a few days later. Yeah. On June 14th of 2015. This would be Baby C. Baby C arrived in the neonatal unit premature, weighing less than two pounds. How tiny is that little living baby? Baby C was under the care of another nurse, not Lucy. Baby C's nurse went to the nursing station and then means she walked out of this particular unit where her baby was. And all of a sudden she heard the alarm go off again, the trauma alarm that the baby, you know, is deteriorating. She hears the alarm and it's for her baby that she's been watching. When she returns, Nurse Lucy is standing at the baby's bassinet. Oh my God. So Nurse Lucy said that um, she reportedly asked a coworker to be left in charge of baby C, that she asked, she wanted baby C prior to this incident saying that it would be, listen to this, cause it's all about Lucy that it would be cathartic for her and her healing and well-being because remember, she lost baby A just a few days earlier. So she needs to tend to another baby because it's all about her. And this is the narcissist. Sick. This is a narcissistic practice, isn't it? It's all about her. I suspect that she would have continued and I also suspect that she will revel in this notoriety mm, gosh that to me i mean to to remember to have been told to to just again in your mind remember her telling you can i please take care of this baby because you know i lost a baby in this unit and it would be good for me and then you find out that she's tried to kill another one yeah oh Unbelievable. i oh it's so diabolical it's so evil and twisted this plot so when they were initially reviewing baby C, they said that there had been prolonged periods of low oxygen and a, a slowed heart rate. Baby C was finally pronounced dead later that day. The baby she needed to take care of to help her heal, right? Investigators believe that this baby died of excessive air in his gut. They believe this time that the nurse injected the air through a nasal gastric tube. So she was using different ways with each yeah. baby yeah you know she had multiple ways here so then let's get to the cases of babies e and f because i want to make sure we talk about these babies we just don't want to completely leave them out we want to hear their stories so in this case babies e and f um premature twin boys the mother was and I shared this one a little bit earlier. Earlier, The mom was delivering breast milk to the babies in the unit. She walked in. She saw Nurse Lucy holding one of the boys. Baby boy was bleeding from the mouth. He was screaming in agony. The mom was concerned. And, of course, that is when Nurse Lucy 
turned to the mother, said, oh, don't worry. It's just an irritation from his little nasal tube. That's what's the problem. Trust me, I'm a nurse. Five hours later, baby F was dead. Heartbreak. I'm speechless. I am just, you know. What I'm makes somebody become so cold-hearted? What sort of life did they lead in order to take up the mantle of being a serial killer? How was she treated as a child? Did she feel that she was being left out? Mm. If you if you look at um, historically, if you look at people at people that have been involved in child abuse, they start with pulling the legs off of spiders and setting lights to the oh, local yeah, yeah. cat and things like that. I wonder how that features in her life, because this is far from normal behaviour. Yeah, but she's gone way beyond the the mind and the thought processes of a of a killer way beyond yeah i i think you know they always these serial killers always remain a mystery to all of us in the sense that we are trying to apply some form of logic yep. and balance to a situation which is um it is more than defective like we it defies applying such measures to explain there is no explaining this and then there is what many of us discuss and, and we have a very very vibrant community on youtube and so often people say you know what it's just pure evil that it is evil y you know you're trying to label this and you're trying to label that but at the end of the day and i do believe this i, do I, believe I absolutely that there are agree people and i do believe that there are evil people yeah i absolutely agree and I think and she's she's up there when it comes to the evil side. She is. She is. Now, what's so fascinating here is um, the things that they found in her home. Police say now they're claiming that her souvenirs, because a lot of times serial killers do keep mementos. The prosecution yep. here is claiming that her mementos were 250 pages of test results resuscitation notes handover sheets related to the babies um, who either collapsed or died in her care now i guess the thing is i suppose that could be mementos or that could just be all part of her evilness i don't know what do you think paul well she may she may have reread those notes as uh, to to get some form of kick out of it and to try and refresh her memory as to what she's actually done. But she knows what she's done. But I think that criminals are trophy collectors. And I think that this is the detritus and the trophies that she has successfully collected because this would be another part of her crime. The fact is she shouldn't have those notes. Those notes are privileged. They should remain within the hospital. And this is just an extension of the crimes that she's committed. I was surprised that Nurse Lucy took the stand in her own defense. You know, usually I say, look, it's a tricky thing to take the stand because it opens you up to all sorts of questioning. But I always say, if you can answer certain things for the jury that just don't make sense, even if it's crazy logic, but it is, let's say, the truth of that situation, it buys you a chance, a chance that you might be found not guilty. Yeah. But in this case... I really, I, I cannot imagine that there is anything that she could have said. I could be wrong. Well, I mean, what would be the explanation for, for all of this? I, 
What do you think, Paul? Well, uh, but but what you got to remember is that everybody said this is nice, Lucy. She would have gone in there, and there would have been people giving evidence on her behalf, saying what a great person she was, how hardworking she was, how she dealt with children in such a professional way. Her job is to convince one or two of the jury members that she was that nice person, that it wouldn't be possible for her to kill these children. So for her to take the stand, that's a smart move on her part because she could have convinced those individuals that she hadn't done anything wrong. Thankfully, that wasn't the case. But had she decided to, you had the Fifth Amendment, I think it's called, but had she taken the right not to give evidence they would have started drawing conclusions because they've got all this other evidence that had been provided by the police. This person, if she doesn't speak up for what's gone on, then they'll dismiss her anyway. So she had nothing to lose by giving evidence at her hearing. I think you, I think you're right there. You make a lot of sense there. Um, she faced 60 hours of questioning. She was on the stand for 14 days that is a long time to have a defendant on the stand. I've never heard of anything like this. I, I've, I've been a witness for several days in uh, different trials, and and I wasn't on trial. So, it, albeit you know, you you get um, some aggravation from a defence barrister or a lawyer, but but I wasn't on trial, and I know how stressful that was for me to be there as a defendant and try and defend yourself in front of 12 good people plus everybody else that's in there that's that is a hell of a you know it's a hell of a challenge mm -hmm. well she cried a lot of tears a lot of tears she told the jury that she gave those babies the best care that she could give them and then when prosecutors asked Lucy directly if she had intentionally harmed the babies, she said crying, quote, that's completely against everything that being a nurse is. I am there to care, not to harm. Well, jury didn't believe that. Thankfully. Jury didn't believe it. No, no, not at all. So jurors sat through 145 days of evidence. Incredible. It's astonishing. It is, this case is massive. And um, again, it was revealed during trial that she had sent the sympathy card to the parents of babies that she's accused of killing and that she kept, wait a minute, that she kept a copy of that card on her phone. That's a little weird. I mean, if I send a sympathy card to someone, I have never kept a copy of anything that I've sent like that. No, no, that this is, is weird. Weird is an understatement, to be honest Just, with you. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Well, deliberations lasted 22 days. The 10-month murder trial, reportedly the longest in current murder cases in the UK. On August 18th, Lucy was found guilty on seven counts of murder, seven charges of attempted murder. You know, the jury acquitted her on two additional charges of attempted murder. They couldn't reach a verdict on six additional charges. And again, prosecutors now have, I guess, 28 days to consider whether they will go back for these charges but now so she gets these 14 whole life sentences yeah. which is our life in prison okay woman's never getting out no. she's never getting out she's but somehow this doesn't feel right it doesn't feel like enough but but the issue we have we we, we dispense with the the death penalty in the 60s and 
we're not going back. Whatever my views may be around certain individuals, you know, someone who kills children or kills police officers, they they deserve to face the ultimate. Um, but we're not going back there. And what do we do? We can't put her on an island. We can't, you know, send her to the sharks. We can't make her walk the plank. She will be incarcerated with other evil people. And don't forget, people don't like child no. murderers. Myra no, Henley killed those children in the 60s and buried their bodies on the moors. And for her time incarcerated in prison, she was hated, absolutely hated for the person that she was. People do not like sex offenders and they do not like child killers. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. I do want to talk about the other part of this. We've talked about the criminal part for the nurse, former nurse here. But really what needs further investigating is the other component here. And... It is the what happened, when, and who knew what. According yeah. to the reporting of The Guardian and The Observer, there will be an investigation into the hospital and administrators to determine all of that as part of something called a non-statutory public inquiry. Does that mean that it has no criminal teeth behind it, that no prosecution can happen? I honestly don't know what that means. But the police and the authorities do have the powers to investigate if there was any form of malfeasance in public office. Did those senior leaders within the, the um, hospital treat Lucy Letby any different to anybody else? Did they give her enough rope so that she could use it to kill additional children? Because if they did, then they need to face the music as well. They need to be held to account. They're earning, I don't know, $200,000 a year for a very high-profile job, but with rank comes responsibility. And if you've got a member of staff that has gone off the rails and you knew it was happening, then you need to be dealt with as well, in one way or another. According to all this reporting, there was a one-year gap from the time that the hospital started suspecting something until the time that they contacted the police. Now... I don't know the exact details of when she was pulled off the floor and put into the office, but nonetheless, a year is a very long time. My my gut says if you have three babies dying in, in over the course of two weeks, and that's all the babies that you ever lose in a year, that maybe you would call the cops and say, look, 
we're, something's going on here. Can you help us out? I, I, we just, we don't know. See, that would have been the right thing to do. Yes, yes, it would. And I'm not, I'm not defending them at all. But you have to look at the amount of people that are involved in the case, as in how many people work on the department, how many children have died. If four children have died whilst in the care of uh, Nurse A and six children have died with Nurse B, and then all of a sudden it's about that balancing act. At least somebody reported it. It may have been a year down the line, but there have been all sorts of things. I was, I was reading the notes earlier on. There were no post-mortems on, on some of the children. And yes. do you know what? I've been to more post-mortems than I care to think about. And I could tell you, I could talk you through every single one. But they're barbaric. They, you know, it's not good. And the thought of a child going through that procedure, the decision was made that they wouldn't, which, you know, is a blessing in some ways. But would they have identified that that child had been murdered? I don't know. I really don't know. So, you know, as I say, at least at some point, somebody referred it to the authorities and the police got involved. And the police did a great job. But we, yes. let, let's, let's look at this. The police uh, in across the world, you know, the, the, across the civilised world, have received a beating from the public at large for so many different reasons, and not all of them justified. On this occasion, the police have done such a brilliant, brilliant job that they need somebody to say that they've done a good job. They need the, the public need to get behind them, you know, patting them on the back instead of kicking them up the backside all the time. The police aren't perfect. We know that. But actually, most of them do as good a job as they possibly can. I agree with you. I agree with you. And... Um... This could not have been an easy case for anyone. Oh. It is a hard one to discuss. It is a hard one to report, to prosecute, to investigate. And as you say, as a family liaison officer, to have to be the one to tell the parents that we are now investigating the death of your baby as the result of a homicide. And it would have been a baby that had been buried or cremated <sighs> some months beforehand. So they didn't even have the bodies to look at to to inspect to carry out the the examinations on this was all done without the 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 victim the child being present or available well as we always talk about justice there can never be true justice in a case like this but lucy is never going to see truly the light of day. She may see it from a prison yard, but that's about it. It's time for our comment section. These are the crime cases you all are talking about on social media. Here's our producer, Will Updike. Hey, Will. Hey, Anna. How's it going? Hey, Paul. Great to meet you. Nice to meet you too, sir. All right. So this week we have a case of an airline pilot going postal. This case came out of uh, Denver, Colorado, where a United Airlines pilot has been charged after an axe-wielding outburst in the employee parking lot at Denver International Airport. The pilot reportedly destroyed a parking arm there. Uh, there's some great video of the incident, which I'm gonna show. Uh, this was obtained by CBS News Colorado. There's a line of cars. Jones uh, gets frustrated. He returns from his car with a full-size ax. And in the video, you can see him chopping at that arm, obviously that blocks the parking lot. 
he hits it a bunch of times. I, by my count, it's nearly two dozen times. Eventually, he knocks this parking arm off its base, uh, and you, people notice the incident. Obviously, it wasn't a it wasn't a quick thing. It wasn't a one strike. So they try to apprehend him. Uh, a, another employee there at Denver International Air, Airport tries to wrestle the axe away. They said it was like a physical struggle with no injuries. It doesn't look like a fight or anything like that. Just for clarification. Um, and then right afterwards, police officers who are at the airport apprehend him. They put him in handcuffs. Now, our suspect here, 63-year-old Kenneth Henderson Jones, said that he was trying to leave, but he estimated that there were six cars, a line of at least six cars at each of the three gates. Now, he uh, reportedly told police here that he had just hit his breaking point and kind of a good guy thing here. He said that he was just trying to get rid of issues for everyone waiting. Now, airport I kind of believe him. There's a part of me that believes him. Airport administrators actually came out and they said there have been some issues with this parking lot. A lot of people don't have the proper permits. So you're sitting there waiting. They're trying to figure stuff out. Now, this incident caused an estimated $700 in damage. Uh, Adams County authorities did press charges uh, against Jones here with misdemeanor criminal mischief. Um, the pilot, everybody has been trying to get a hold of this guy since this happened, uh, is not responding to any media inquiries. Uh, however, a spokesperson for United did say the pilot was removed from the schedule and is on leave while United conducts an internal investigation. Uh, according to federal records, uh, our suspect here, Jones, is ready to fly large jets like the 767, the 757. Who knows? You might have if, you, if you've been through Denver Inter- International Airport, you might have even been with this guy. Uh, but the uh, according to the records, too, he has no previous arrests in Colorado. Uh, however, he does have a court appearance sped- scheduled for September 25th for an arraignment. So we will see what happens with that. Um, honestly, I, I would just try to patch things over with my boss, pay the 700 bucks and say, that's, that's my bad. I went a little too far. It's, I mean, I, I hear you. I mean, this is not the best problem solving that I've seen, but clearly, you know, we all, I mean, can you imagine that this is the moment, this is your breaking point, And it's like the damn arm to the parking lot is not working. And you're like, that's it. I'm taking it out. I'm taking it out. And we're getting out of here. <laughs> But you, well, you, I don't you know, can Paul. imagine, can't you? He's just had a flight that's been delayed for four hours. He's then got a three-hour drive home from Denver or wherever he, to wherever he lives, and he cannot get through a barrier. What I find, I've seen the video, what I find strange is why has he got an axe in the back of his car? That is, that's the biggest thing for me. So there was kind of a debate going on in the comments. Some people were, you know, understand like understanding the frustration. Other people, some person said that this guy might have the propensity for murder. Uh, as far as the axe, like, I, I don't know, maybe he does outdoor stuff in, in Colorado or something. It's, it hasn't been fully explained. It does, he does just, he does appear with it. Um, so I'm just, I, I think it was as in, in his possession, but I, I don't know why. I don't know wh- why that would really even be allowed in your car on the, on, in the employee. Uh, parking lot, but I don't know how regulated those things are. Sammy girl said, do I understand his frustration? Yes. Do I want to fly with him? Absolutely not. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's good that this happened on the ground uh, of possible, <laughs> you know, like, of possible incidents. But I've got a friend who shall remain nameless, who's a pilot. And when he loses it on a golf course, he will wrap his club around a tree. And I, <laughs> and I say to him, what do you do when you're flying your 737 or whatever you fly? You know, when, when you start to lose it as you're landing in Malaga Airport, he said, I don't. It's a completely different set of circumstances. He said, I've got more control over the flight than I have over the golf shot. So this could be the case with this particular pilot. You know, he's got he's, he's at the end of his tether. 
At least he didn't take an AK-47 out of the trunk and um, and blow it off its hinges. Yeah, you, absolutely. You know, I, absolutely. I agree, Paul. What you said there is very interesting. There are a lot of people who work in these very, like, tough jobs, kind of like cops and, you know, in these emergency situations where you are the only person who've got to hold it together. And I, I'm not a psychologist or anything, but I, I do see a logic here of you hold it together under the toughest of circumstances, you get everybody home safely, and then it's just like that one little thing that goes off and then you lose it because you don't need to control it because you got to control it when it really, really counts. Except, you know, sadly, people got very upset here with the axe and the... I mean, I wonder, would he have gotten into that much trouble if he had just gone over there, taken that, that... you know, we've all seen that handle and just like rip the damn thing out with his hand. I don't know. I guess the axe has everybody upset. Yeah, well, I think it is still like the criminal mischief aspect of it, I I would assume. But yeah, I I think like to go from a high stress job to like a menial, like extreme irritation must be, you know, like it's it's kind of like why this after all I've done today. Um, (laughs) Canadian trucker said that'll teach that parking arm to stop him ever again. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, we'll see if, uh, he, he ends up going back to work at Denver International Airport again. Uh, Danny S had a great reference. They said, if you've seen the episode of Frasier, I'll pay the $2 for you. There's a great episode of Frasier, uh, where Frasier and Niles refuse to pay the parking garage fee because they just (laughs) went in and out and it evolves into this whole, you know, situational comedy thing. That's like, it's, it's, uh, it's very identifiable for me, uh, and Rima T, we, we got some great puns on this one. Rima T said, I need an explanation. Mm-hmm. Love it. They worked in axe and plane for the airline pilot. Pretty happy, pretty happy with that. Uh, and a happy hippie said, go ahead, axe him how his day went, which I felt like was uh, kind of the perfect, perfect summation for the whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that that is going to do it for this week's comment section. Thank you, everybody who sent those in. And I will see you all next week. Bye, Will. Bye. Well, Paul, it has been such a pleasure talking with you today. It's just um, just amazing, just amazing. Where can people follow you either on social media or your podcasts or the shows that you're involved with? Where can they find you? Well, I'm like everybody these days. I'm involved in social media. I might be an old bloke, but I still do the the Facebook and the Instagram. And if people just Google my name, Paul Maleri, they'll see everything about me. XJob is my company. XJob is my podcast. And we're not as hard hitting as you. I take former police and, and military veterans and I talk them through their before, during and after service and the great stuff that they do um, through that. So it's 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 a labor of love sometimes I'm, t- I'm talking to a professional here who understands exactly it's hard work isn't it being a podcaster sometimes but it's a, a, an awful lot of fun and i commit people's lives to history to make sure that we get social history in balance not everybody writes a book people don't keep notes so if you just google my name paul maleri you'll find me if people want to contact me i'm paul at ex-job.co.uk if people want to talk to me, I'm more than happy to speak to them. I've done some great work with some fantastic people. Vivica Fox, I mean, to meet Vivica Fox and to do that TV show was absolutely brilliant. And my family in the States absolutely love it. So, yeah, I've been very lucky and hopefully I'll be doing some more stuff, not only with Vivica, but uh, with some other people as well within different organisations. 
Oh, we would love that. And you know, Vivica was also supposed to be on the program, but because of the current um, SAG AFTRA strike, Vivica oh. cannot be permitted uh, under the strike to have any promotion or discussion of any work that she's what a shame. done. Yeah, it's a violation um, of the union. And she, of course, is very supportive of her co-workers yeah. and, and everyone out there who's out of work right now. So just so you all know um, that Vivica could not join us. And perhaps maybe when all is settled, Vivica could come back on. It would be lovely to have a conversation with all of you. And Paul, I hope that you will come back because it's been... Absolutely. It's, it's been great talking with you. I really enjoy your perspective on everything in a heartbeat um, it, whatever you want me to do if you just let me know i will be there and if you ever come to london i'll um take you to some places that you probably wouldn't get to ordinarily and you will ensure my safety at these places absolutely i, I have a team of people that will ensure your your safety so uh, yeah i mean we're, we're London when someone says, hey, come over here and I'm going to take you places you've never been to. And oh. I'm like, OK, well, as long as you ensure my safety, we'll be fine. <laughs> we we only move in nice circles and we work with some fantastic people. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we, we'll be in and out of the Tower of London, places like that. And and London is rocking at the moment. Mm -hmm. We've got a I lot of London. Americans over. It's, it's, it's fantastic at the moment. So, yeah. Just but love thank you so much there. for having me. Oh, absolutely. And you can find me on all social media at, at Anna G News. You can find this episode and all of the episodes of our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel and you can sign up to receive our newsletter at truecrimedaily.com. So until next week, I'm your host, Anna Garcia. This is True Crime Daily, the podcast. And as we always say, don't do crime. <laughs>